0: Change is necessary because this has to be an evolution. Our company has to evolve, our product has to evolve, our employees have to evolve in order to stay relevant in our industry. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest
1: trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing happy. Each week. We interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics, and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now, your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? It's episode 135. Today, we're talking about promoting people from within and building a team for the future. Our guest this week is Pam Frost. Pam is the president of R&D Automation, a company that engineers, designs, and manufactures robotic, packaging, and assembly automation equipment. But Pam is actually going to take us further under the hood of this company, which is her latest stop in her rather unique career. With that said, here are three things you can expect from today's episode. First, we're going to talk about retention, largely in the context of Pam's own story. We'll cover tips for how manufacturers can retain and grow their own talent plus some other ideas for gauging what the right moves are for your own career. Second, we'll hear how Pam got to R&D Automation and what she found to be special about this organization. This leads to our last topic, which, as the new leader of R&D Automation, Pam shares advice on how to play to your strengths and lead a company that's new to you but has an established presence in the industry. As always, if you want to learn more, you can do that over at the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 135. And before we get rolling, I do have a couple important announcements to make. First, Automate 2023 big show coming up on May 22nd through 25th in Detroit, Michigan. If you're a regular listener of the show... You know that this is the automation show to attend. There are going to be over 700 exhibitors there, including R&D automation. It's free to attend. Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com automate2023 to register today. But it's actually pretty timely that Pam is on this show because I hinted at this a couple episodes back. But we are throwing a party, a manufacturing happy hour, a proper, literal manufacturing happy hour at automate 2023 and if you want to attend well hey i'm gonna have the instructions for that at the end of the episode i don't want to give too much away yet but i'm co-hosting that event with r&d automation it's going to be a blast we hope you can make it anyway keep listening for more details register for automate in the meantime but with all that said it's time to dive into our episode today it's time for a beer and a conversation with pam frost So Pam, if we were having this conversation today over a beverage, where in the world would that be? You can pick anywhere you like, paint the picture of of what that place would look like.
0: Well, first it would be outside. Uh, so we need to be somewhere where the weather was good, uh, preferably here in Florida in the wintertime or maybe even Michigan in the summer. But uh, I like to be outside, whether it's around a campfire or sitting on a lanai or on a patio, uh, drinking an IPA, and I would be in heaven.
1: I love it. I could go for an IPA either at a campfire or on a patio. Those all sound great. It's uh, It's late spring here in the northern Midwest where... You spent a lot of time, so you know it's not really spring yet up here. Right. We're uh, we're still fighting through the latest snowstorm, but uh, <laughs> I like I like the vibe. And in true campfire storytelling fashion, we want to get to know you today. And and you know one of, one of the first questions when I look at your background, you spent around twenty years working at. Pridgen and Clay in the automotive industry. And I'd be curious, can you tell us about that experience and, and what made this particular company stand out to you?
0: Sure. Um, so I'll lead you up to Pridgen and Clay. Uh, I worked my way through college. I, I worked a number of different jobs. Um, and I was actually working in the steel industry and uh, over on the lakeshore in Michigan. And one of my steel salesmen well, uh, called on Pridge and Clay and knew that it was a great company. And and he said, hey, if you're looking for a long-term good company, uh I would recommend that you apply for the position that's open at Pridgin and Clay. So uh I did. Uh they are also in the steel industry. So I actually was hired to be a steel buyer. And um Ended up spending the next 20 years of my career there working for a wonderful privately held company. It was owned by the Clay family and still is. Um, Worked my way from being a buyer when I started to being the corporate director of supply chain when I left in 2016. Um, But just a fabulous company and a fabulous uh, ownership group to work for. And,
1: and would you say that's what made it stick out, right? Because I feel like it's unconventional, you know, even in the last 20 years to stick with a company for that long. So I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the leadership. Were, was that it or were there other aspects that made it such a great place to be?
0: There were a number of aspects of it. Um, I would say what was interesting to me is when I walked in for my interview, I got a, uh, that deja vu feeling. So I felt like I walked into a place that I had either been before or I belonged in, so it was very comfortable for me personally. Um, The setting, how they did things, how they interacted with their employees, all of it was appealing to me. and as i was stayed longer and longer what we what was very evident was it was a people oriented company like i said it was owned by the clay family it's currently in its third generation of clays and they treated us all like family and they also gave us a lot of opportunities as young people growing up and, and working our way through. If we had an interest in another position or another department, that opportunity was open to us. So uh, that was very appealing to me, too. I always say that I have a pretty short attention span. So it's always fun for me to learn something new, try something different and and expand my, um, my skill set. And Pridgen and Clay gave me the opportunity to do that. So you
1: you highlight not only the family field, but the opportunity to move up from within. Uh, You know, what advice would you give to other manufacturing leaders out there now when it comes to retention and promoting from within? How can other people replicate the success you saw at Pridgen & Clay?
0: Well, one is... opening opportunities up to people that you may not think would take advantage of it. So as leaders, when we're when we're at work, we tend to formulate our own opinions about what our employees might want to do. Um, why would an engineer ever want to get into sales? Why would a salesperson ever want to get into operations management? And if you don't ask the question, you're never going to get the answer. And sometimes it takes asking the employee if they would be interested in something new rather than waiting for them to come forward because they may actually not have thought of it either. So um, to others in the manufacturing world or in the business world, I would say be flexible, be creative in your thoughts and take advantage of the creativity and the uh, level of curiosity that your employees might have.
1: You you know, another question that just popped into mind from that is I think it's really important that you brought up the fact that don't wait for them. Sometimes you as the leader need to take the initiative. When is when is that time right? Or when when do you sense like, oh, so and so is great in engineering. They might be great in sales. When is the right time to to have that conversation?
0: Well, you know, we have our scheduled times that we meet with our, our uh, employees, and that's one-on-ones or during the review cycle. Um, and I would say always asking during those times. Another time is if you're involved with an employee during, um, you know, if you pull a team together for a Kaizen event or a lean activity or, you know, whatever the case may be. Watch what they're good at and then ask the question about what you think that that, that skill set that they have could be used for in the future. So, um, you know, don't limit it to when you have a one on one, but use team opportunities or, um, you know, interactions that you're watching with other people to ask the questions.
1: Yeah. So so what I heard is it's it's not only that formal time that you have set up like the one-on-ones, but be cognizant of other opportunities, whether it's a team event or something more impromptu as well.
0: Absolutely. You know, it's, it's fun to have Christmas parties or retirement parties at work and watch how people interact with others. And you can pick up a lot about what skills they might have or what they might be uh, able to do in their future by just sitting back and watching.
1: I'm curious, and this doesn't need to be like an exact science or an exact number, but when you've looked at other people and helped them move into the next role, how much of it is that a role that that person sensed they wanted to get into versus maybe you have the intuition? It's like, oh, I need to start gently nudging this person to this role because I see it could really play to their strengths, but maybe they don't realize it yet.
0: I think the majority of the time people go in the direction that they already feel that they may be interested in. One, it's safer. Um, they feel more secure going into into a, a field or a role that they already had an idea about. Um, but, you know, if I had to put a number to it, I would say 20 to 25%. It, people surprised me and said, Oh yeah, I'd like to try something new. Um, you know, if I take myself, I ran the gamut. I mean, I went from being a buyer. I worked in inspection and, and quality control. I worked in finance and systems and implementation, working with IT groups. Um, so, you know, I know that my curiosity has been uh, fertilized by people giving me opportunities. So I think it's forefront. It's in the forefront of my thoughts when I look at others.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of career trajectories and going to a lot of different spots, You know, I understand one of the latest chapters in your career was you went to Florida with the intention of retiring, but ended up coming out of retirement to work for R&D Automation. Why did you decide to come out of retirement and go back into industry? Can you share a bit of that story?
0: I certainly can. Um, You know, one of the things that you do when you're preparing for retirement is you think about the financial aspect. Am I financially in a position where I can retire? Once you realize that you can do it, um, one of the things that I would recommend that everyone do is try to determine if you are mentally prepared to retire. Um, and that I was not. Uh, I wasn't uh, one. I didn't have a, a hobby other than golf. But I mean i don't I don't have something that I can spend the majority of my time doing. Um, so it, it got to the point where I was just wondering what to do with my time. Um, So, I realized that I wasn't really ready to be done. I thought that um, I could still contribute uh, to a company or to an industry. I didn't know how that would look. Um, R&D was looking for somebody to lead their uh, procurement, their buyers and, and their purchasing team. So, I applied for the job thinking that that would be a really good coast into retirement type of position. And then once I got here and we were acquired, R and D was acquired by a private equity group. And so a lot of opportunities became very visible and very apparent. And, um, I just was lucky enough to get, uh, take advantage of one of the opportunities that was presented to me. So it turned out, um, I went from being retired to having a job to now resurrecting my career and actually enjoying what I do, who I work with, and the industry that we're in. So, here I am, full steam ahead again.
1: Yeah, and and, and what I find interesting is you had such a great company, such a great experience that you worked at with Pridgen & Clay – I'm curious, what excited you about the R&D team the first time you walked in the facility or when you were really getting to know the leadership, the people there, et cetera?
0: Well, um, I'm going to talk about Pridget and Clay a little bit. In the 20 years that I was there, I was fortunate enough to have a core group of employees that was there for the same amount of time. So they either could have started just before me or just after me, and they were there when I left or they left right before me. So for 20 years, I had the opportunity to work with the same employees. When I came to R&D and I looked at the staff here and I looked at how the people remained at the company as the company grew, that of course was very appealing to me. That tells you, just speaks volumes about the content of the character of the people that run the business. It talks to you about um, the atmosphere and the collaboration uh, that goes on in the company. And it's just very, very appealing to me.
1: Yeah, I, I want to talk about, let's say, the talented folks there at R&D as well. Because that, that's something you mentioned when we were talking, gosh, maybe about a month ago, right? Mm-hmm. You described, I think, the talent at R&D as beyond anything you'd seen before in industry. Yes. So maybe provide a bit more color to that. How does that talent manifest itself, if you will?
0: Well, we are an engineering company, so we build automated equipment. Um, automation is our passion. And so, of course, we've got very creative and very intellectual people working here. Um, they have a, ve- a, a very solid, continuous improvement mindset. So the customer comes and says, I have a problem or I, I need a solution for something. And the creativity starts kicking in with this group of people. And it's just fun to watch them Work together to try to come up with a solution. I think that, um, what, how that's manifested is there's a very solid process of steps that we go through. You know, as creative as we are, we're not fly by the seat of our pants. There, you know, we follow a process, we look, to um, make sure that we're taking care of whatever our customers' needs are and making sure that whatever we're building is very repeatable and has quality built right in. Um, The employees here respect each other. They respect the industry industry that we're in. And they really want the product to reflect what our personality is and to help our customers so the customer will come back to us in the future with another opportunity. It's really fun to watch the camaraderie within the within the group.
1: So you talk about the respect the team has for one another. You talk about the processes that the team have, you know, it, it, and you bring a lot of operational experience to from your past career as well. You know what? Another bit of advice for the, the audience out there. You know, what advice do you have when it comes to bringing out, let's say, operational excellence in a team?
0: Um you know make sure that people understand the why i mean the operational excellence has built into it continuous improvement mindset how do we continue to make what we do easier better faster more profitable all of those things and how do we how do we introduce our customer to the same thing um, so understanding why change is necessary because this has to be an evolution. Our company has to evolve. Our product has to evolve. Our employees have to evolve in order to stay relevant in our industry and in our, in our business. Um, so, you know, making sure that people understand why these steps are important, but then also engaging them in what that process might look like. How do we make sure that our culture stays intact as we evolve into what we need to be to be successful tomorrow? Um, you know, how do we transition from selling a product to selling a solution? You know, that solution in itself can transition or evolve into something else because the solution yesterday won't be what the solution is tomorrow. So how do we make sure that we're building an environment that can get us to where we need to stay ahead of the group. Um and it's important to celebrate. Celebrate the past, celebrate today and look forward to the future.
1: There's there's a lot in that answer. I'm trying to figure out which which direction to <laughs> go with the next question because um you know, I'm curious to get some advice on how do you lead through change, right? And there were so many things you mentioned Mm -hmm. that, that had to do with change, right? Helping the people understand why change is necessary. That was one. How do you keep the culture intact when those changes are happening? And then even more specific, you know, transitioning from selling a product to selling a solution. So, you know, maybe I'll go back to that original broad question rather than focusing on one of those areas. How do you lead through change? So that way, All those things that you mentioned can happen, remain intact, Mm -hmm. et cetera.
0: Model the behavior, uh, keep an open mind, listen to your employees, um, listen to your customers and listen to your suppliers. Um, You know, and we haven't even mentioned your ownership group. I mean, our ownership group has a vision of what we should look like. And we need to make sure that we're listening to them, too. And then the leadership part is pulling all of those pieces to the puzzle together and making this mosaic that makes all of us happy and brings joy to us, but also pays the bills.
1: Mm-hmm. I uh, It's funny. I think the best leaders that we've had on this show modeling the behavior is something I probably only heard a few of them say it directly some have hinted at it but um i love that first that that first part of the answer and everything you shared a lot around listening as well you know never you can never hear that too many times to understand that listening is one of the keys to make sure you're doing the right things we'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor Are you looking to make your maintenance department more streamlined, reliable, and profitable? Then check out Traction. Traction integrates condition monitoring IoT sensors and an asset management software to create the most complete maintenance ecosystem on the market. They're on a mission to empower frontline workers, the backbone of our economy, with their combination hardware-software solution. To learn more about Traction, head to Traction.com. If you want to hear more about what this team is all about, check out episode 127 featuring their founder, Igor Marinelli. There, you'll hear the full story behind Traction, but more importantly, you'll hear why Igor truly believes that maintenance leaders are the industrial champions that are bringing the future of machine monitoring to life. He shares why frontline teams are at the center of industrial innovations and how to move past proof-of-concept projects and actually implement new ideas. Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com 127 to listen and learn about Traction today. And now, back to today's episode. on the subject of change, every leader has their own style and strengths. There are clearly Mm -hmm. a lot of different changes going on at R&D right now. And and, and you're part of those changes. So what advice do you have for manufacturing leaders about leveraging their own style and strengths to guide a company into the future?
0: Well, we, um, I'm going to say I, I, um, I definitely try to use my ears and my mouth in the ratio that they were given to me. Two ears, one mouth. Listen at least twice as much as what you talk. And also uh, key to that is making sure that we create a collaborative environment. Um, we've got some extremely intelligent people here. We've got people with really good ideas. And so painting the picture of where we need to go, whether it's from the ownership group or from my leadership. And this is, you know, I, this is what we want the vision to look like. How we get there is revolves around the team. The team can have a say in the road or the path that we take to get there. I get to point out the destination. They get to help plan the trip.
1: I like that. I'd love to put this in like the context of, of R&D a little bit, right? Where we're talking about getting to the future, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked a little bit about the strengths and the baseline of R&D when you came through the door. You know, can you share a bit about the story of where things have been really strong and then some of the areas you've been building up to to provide, um, you know, a successful pathway for R&D in the future?
0: Sure. Uh, one of the things that, uh, I mean, R and D as an engineering company has been very successful and very, very good at building automated equipment for our customers. Okay. Whether it's assembly or inspection or packaging or whatever the case may be. One of the things that we have realized is that we we're very fortunate with customers coming back to us. So if we would build it, they would come. And what we've realized as we try to grow and, and, and make this company bigger and integrate more with iAutomation, which is a sister company or PanelTech, which is a sister company, as we try to build out this model that we're trying to, um, trying to envision and trying to create, we need to do more outside of just building equipment. So what other automation solutions can we provide? So rather than, as I said earlier, selling a machine, we're trying to sell solutions. We go into a customer, uh, proactively, whether rather than waiting for them to come to us, go into these other customers that we feel like we can help. Not just offer a machine solution, but offer robotic solutions, or vision, or panel building, uh, electrical panel building, which is one of our uh, sister company's core competency. Or hey, our sister company is a distribution company, so they can sell you the products that you need to do your job. So, you know, as we As we open up that vision from just one product offering to many and from one company by itself, standalone into a family of companies, it's opening up a whole lot of opportunities for us.
1: So uh, that that brings up another question. It's like, how do you prioritize all the opportunities that might be there? And I think you have a really, you can have a really unique perspective on this because the family of companies that R&D is a part of is pretty vast, right? Mm -hmm. There are a lot of areas you could have doubled down on. You really highlighted solution selling, mixing in visions, going beyond just like selling a machine to selling a solution. So, you know, how do you prioritize, hey, this is the, the area where we're going to double down versus all the other ones that could be a good pick, but maybe aren't the pick that you chose to go with?
0: From an R&D perspective, so I'm not talking about sister companies right now, I'm just talking about R&D. We are focused and we are prioritizing assembly, robotics, vision, those types of activities. And because that's what our core competency is. If we have a customer that also says I need an electrical panel or I need component sales, I can shift their their attention over to iAutomation or Panel Tech and put them in um, contact with the right people over there to help them with that. So it's not something that we have to do internally all on our own. We've got the resources outside of R&D that can help do that. And so we don't have to um, necessarily manage that extra auxiliary stuff we have experts to do that within our own company. What we're trying to do is make sure that we're spending our time giving our customer the solution that they want. So our priority is what does the customer want? If the customer wants a robot, that's a priority. If they want a machine, that's the priority. If they want a vision system, that's the priority. If they want spare parts and service to come in and help them with a piece of equipment that they already have, that's the priority and we've got the right team in place to support all of those R&D offerings
1: and and one thing that i that really stuck out in that answer was you prioritize your core competency right mm-hmm. and you're in a unique position to do that because you can stay within the wheelhouse of the things you're really good at and where other automation companies might need to go to like a partner per se, right? You can actually bring that to like a sister company that still falls within the overall umbrella of companies. So I, I think that's something that's really unique about what you're doing. You know, as as we get kind of towards the the end of our conversation, I, I have to ask, what excites you the most about the future and the trajectory of RD automation?
0: That's a great question. Um, I'm excited about the collaboration that we are building between our companies and within. I mean, I, I really enjoy the people that I work with. And it's, um, it's very, it's, it's fun. And it's enlightening to watch light bulbs go off and creative ideas come out and, and solutions be put into place. I'm very fortunate that um, I've caught lightning in a bottle twice with two major companies that I've worked with, both Pridget & Clay in the past and with R&D right now, and the R&D sister companies also are going to fall into that. But uh, I feel very fortunate that I have been able to work with a core group of employees like this and that really, really keep each other going, have a good time, we enjoy each other's company, we collaborate together. We we don't always agree, but we come up with a solution. And it's just it's it's fun to be a part of an evolution. It and
1: and I have to ask this because it sounds like I mean, you—you you, no doubt you walked into a strong culture, right? People were already collaborating in a lot of ways, right? But how do you foster that collaboration, particularly as as the company grows, right? There are new companies that are a part of this now that people weren't collaborating before, and I'm I'm asking this perspective like from the perspective of any manufacturing leader out there that's probably like, how do I get my teammates working together, coming up with great ideas on their own, things like that. So how do you foster that? collaborative environment
0: well i i'm a big believer in there's no such thing as too much information um you know understanding why we're doing what we're doing and understanding the other players that are a part of it so you know one of the one of the struggles when you um are part of an organization that's involved in mergers and acquisitions is you're introducing new players or new cultures or new uh industry into your umbrella and what happens is people get fearful of that they're uh, you know am i going to be protected is my culture and my company going to be protected are they going to pick this up and move it somewhere else uh, and so making sure that people understand what the goal is and why we're doing what we're doing is key to making sure that uh people don't get frightened and just leave because they're, they, you know, they don't understand the unknown. Um, and we, I mean, that's a, that's something that a lot of companies struggle with because, you know, it's like if I tell you everything, then that means I might tell you something that you don't want to hear. But if I don't tell you the good stuff and what might not be so positive, then you're going to, you're going to come up with your own conclusions and your own conclusions may not maybe even worse than what I could tell you. So let's be honest. Let's be open. Let's be transparent. Let's. Uh, one of the best things that we've done here is we've implemented quarterly fireside chats. So we have a little fake flyer that we put in the middle of the conference room table, and we bring 10 or so employees in, and they can ask me anything they want. It can be about the business, it can be about me, it can be about anything. And it opens up the dialogue, and they ask really good questions about what they don't know, what they think they know and they want clarification on, or what might be frightening, or what might be really exciting. Uh, and it's just been fantastic, and the questions have been phenomenal.
1: I love really great tactical advice like the having that like literal like fake fire in the middle of the table <laughs> i think that's a great i think it's a great way to get people to you know kind of roll up their sleeves loosen up a bit and and just be open about it right cuz it it goes back to i mean uh, at least a big theme i've picked up is two-way communication right a lot of listening and then when you're talking got to be transparent right share the positives share the challenges be open about all those things so Um, I don't know. You might need to give away like a free little fake fireplace with all your (laughs) machines in the future. I think that's a that's a great idea that that I've got to give
0: credit to our VP of operations, Aaron Lane. He was the one that brought that into the first fireside chat, plugged it in. And he said, have fun, Pam. And he, he left us to it. So
1: I love it. Great ideas throughout this conversation. My last question, I ask everyone this. We've covered a lot of ground in the past 30 minutes. Is there anything you wish I would have brought up or something you wish we would have talked about that just hasn't come up in the conversation yet.
0: You know, one of the things that we always talked about it at, at Pridget and Clay and we tried to do here too is, you know, make sure that we have fun. Work doesn't have to be tedious. It, we can come to, together. We can enjoy each other's company. We, we can make fun um, at the workplace. And I think that it, uh, it helps a lot. And, you know, there's nothing worse than dreading going to work. And if we can do anything to keep people from dreading it, then that's what that's our main focus. We have to do that. It's too easy for people to go get another job right now. We need to maintain our culture and, uh, and, and make it so people feel like they're appreciated and they have a good time when they're here.
1: Yep. Adding, adding that element of fun, I think, is the the cherry on top of everything you've talked about around the culture, the collaboration, all the evolution that's taken place. I'm excited to keep watching what you do at r I've known about that company personally for years, so it's cool seeing you continue to take that, that company into the future. So with that, Pam, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to jump on today's show.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, and the last thing is just remember it's a team sport.
1: Hey, thank you everyone for listening, and thank you to R&D Automation for making today's episode possible. As always, if you want to learn more, head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com 135. But most importantly, I told you, hey, if you listen through the episode, I'll tell you a little bit about the party that we're throwing at Automate 2023. That's right. It's a real-life, literal manufacturing happy hour where you can grab drinks with other manufacturing leaders chit chat have a good time hey that's going to be taking place very likely on tuesday may 23rd looking at the evening time 7pm to 10pm but if you want to access the location for that event and if you want to rsvp go to manufacturinghappyhour.com rnd that's r as in robert n as in nancy d as in drew manufacturinghappyhour.com slash rnd that'll take you to the event registration page so you can join us at automate 2023 for some beverages after the show on tuesday location time details everything will be provided there check that out and by the way if you haven't registered for automate 2023 yet do that the association for advancing automation throws an incredible show i was there last year recording a bunch of interviews can't wait to do that again this year Go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash automate2023 to register for free today. And then finally, last but certainly not least, I want to thank Traction. Traction is an all-in-one hardware software solution that integrates condition monitoring IoT sensors and an asset management software, and it's all designed to make maintenance more streamlined, reliable, and profitable. You heard about these folks in the middle of the episode. I'm telling you about them again. Check out Traction. We interviewed Igor Marinelli on this show not too long ago, episode 127. You know how to get there, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 127 if you want to learn more about what this company is all about. So, hey, thank you, Traction, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, R&D Automation. Thank you, A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. We got a whole crew of awesome people that support this show. And with that, that's enough thank yous for this week. Well, there really are never enough thank yous, but we're going to wrap things up. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next week, and we hope to see you in Detroit. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.